In the uh, bulletin, as always, uh, those who are having birthdays uh, each week, and we normally do not uh, say a whole lot uh, about birthdays uh, publicly, but uh, you know when um, a young person asks you to do something, it's kind of hard to say no. So um, Holt Wagner wanted us to make sure we knew that today is his mom, Elizabeth Wagner's birthday. So uh, we wish her and others that have birthdays today uh, a happy birthday. Go ahead and turn your Bible, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 26. We will look at several uh, other scriptures uh, tonight, um, but um, we'll be there in a minute if you'll just hold your finger there because that's kind of where we'll end up. We'll look at some other ones before we get to Matthew 26, but uh, there will be several that we will read from, from Matthew 26 as we think about tonight the idea of self-control. A lack of self-control brings about serious problems, doesn't it? Uh, We talked about this morning looking at across our world, looking on the news, looking um, on the internet and in the newspaper. We see people that have a lack of self-control. Many personal and societal problems come and exist in our world today because of a lack of self-control. People, people sometimes willingly just give their conscience a vacation. Consequences seem light. Consequences are endless when self-control goes out the door. And think just a moment about the damages. The damages that happen in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our world when self-control is vacant. For example, wars and rumors of wars, drug and alcohol addictions, domestic violence, all forms of abuse, broken homes, abortions, abandoned and neglected children, bullying and unsafe neighborhoods, road rage, mass killings, sexual immorality of every kind, racism, government corruption, greed, gluttony, lying, cheating, and the list goes on and on. All as a result of a lack of self-control. If we look at the Bible and what the Bible says about self-control in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Holy Spirit speaking through those inspired writers speaks often about self-control. The problem is in Scripture and many times today is that people do not seem to understand what self-control is and they fail to see the importance, especially as it relates to their own lives. If you go to Webster's Dictionary, this is the definition that you'll find that Webster's Collegiate Dictionary gives. That self-control means restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. We can understand that. That sounds logical. Uh, To restrain emotions, to restrain actions, to restrain response, especially in a negative way. To have control over those desires, over those emotions and those impulses. You know, to practice... Self-control, it doesn't require a parent, a teacher, 
a guard, a sheriff, or any other government official to make a person behave when they practice self-control. You see, the fact of the matter is that people have to choose self-control. On Wednesday nights, we've been going through a book, The Domino Effect. In that book, Tim Lewis talks about the choices and the decisions that we make each and every day of our lives. And one decision can affect another decision. Henceforth, the title, The Domino Effect. Did you know that the word self-control was not in the King James Version of the Bible? Uh, Because the term self-control didn't come to existence, or the the name self-control, until 1711, which was after the King James Version was written. And so the concept of self-control in the King James Bible, you'll notice on the screen, in certain passages, this is the word, the Greek word, and the King James uses these words, like in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, temperance. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, sober. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, discreet. And in Titus chapter 2 and verse 6, sober-minded. In the New Testament, the kind of control over self that Christians need and are able to gain requires more than pulling themselves up by the bootstraps. It requires more than, than, than just saying, hey, I, I, can, I can overcome this. I can hold this back. I think about what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and following. To keep in step with the Spirit, like I read about this morning. You see, we can't do it on our own. We need help. And it's when we're keeping in step with the Spirit that the Spirit of God helps us in the area of self-control. You see, some, some people may say, well, just get it together. Just control yourself. And that sounds good, especially when, it, when we're talking about Webster's definition. But when we're talking about true spiritual self-control, it requires that we keep in step with the Spirit, Paul reminds us. You see, self-control is not forced on the Christian. We must walk in the Spirit. Now I want us to turn in our Bibles and look. And these, these Scriptures will be in the black devotional book that uh, most of you have, I believe. Uh, Proverbs, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And I want us to notice a few passages of Scripture here. We'll start in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 18. The Bible says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Now, these, these Scriptures in Proverbs, and Proverbs is full of this idea of self-control. Though the word self-control might not be there, the principle self-control is there. For example, look over in chapter 16 and verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Look over at chapter 17 and verse 27. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. 
A lot of people in our world think understanding means that, that there's a, a lot of knowledge. There, there's, there's, we've gone through a lot of knowledge, but the Bible says the one with a cool spirit, that's a person who, is, who has understanding. Look over in chapter 19 in verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is His glory to overlook an offense. And chapter 23 and verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has the readiness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine and those who go to try mixed wine. And chapter 25 and verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without Walls. Well, one person has spoken about the book of Proverbs. And he said this. He declared one year that he was going to read through the book of Proverbs over and over again. He also declared this. If he were to die, and there was one book he could encourage his children to read over and over and over again, it would be the book of of Proverbs. What wisdom. What wisdom and characteristics that speak of the man who is self-controlled. Turn now if you, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Paul speaks about being self-controlled. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 will begin in verse 26. Be angry. And do not sin, Paul says. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Sounds like uncontrolled when we do that, right? Not being self-controlled. Verse 28, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word come proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to his hear to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I read an illustration that kind of sums up this idea. In other words, this, the guy writing this illustration said, you know, if you don't love someone, and we're talking about love this month, this month if you don't love someone, maybe you ought to practice doing things of love. If you're angry with someone, maybe you should practice speaking kindly to them. If you have hard feelings towards someone, maybe you should practice being uh, hospitable to them, doing good things for them. And the more that you do those things, then you will really love. You will really care. You will really not or be practicing self-control. Howard Norton says, 
Self-control calls us to go against our earthly nature and to think of the effect of our words and actions on others. Self-control calls us to a much higher standard of conduct than any constitution or set of laws. That's what self-control calls us to. The self-control that only comes by us walking in the Spirit. Now quickly turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 23. Jesus Christ is the greatest example. The greatest example of self-control. If you want to know what self-control looks like, if you want to know what self-control acts like, if you want to know what self-control does, look at Jesus. Particularly when Jesus was beaten and spit on and crucified. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. The Bible says, "Who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously." This is the son of God. The one who had all power and all authority, the Great Commission tells us. And said when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. And how did he do that? By relying on God. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. He controlled Himself. Now turn back to where you have your finger, to the book of Matthew chapter 26. I want you to notice the control that Jesus practiced. Matthew 26, I want to begin in verse 57. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led Him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed Him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And He went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put Him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward in the midst of false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Look over at chapter 27 and verse 11. Chapter 27, verses 11 through 14. Now Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. 
Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Was Jesus right? Was Jesus being falsely accused? Did Jesus have every right to stand up and say, This is untrue? And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus did not speak a word. Of course, to fulfill Scripture. But also think about Hebrews chapter 12. The Hebrew writer tells us of the self-control that Jesus went through because He knew His purpose. Because He committed Himself to God who judges righteously. He committed Himself to God who is the Father of all. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here it is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you remember what Jesus prayed in the garden? In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. What was Jesus surrendering? The, uh, Jesus was surrendering His will to the will of the Father. Sounds like spiritual self-control. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 32, Isaiah had prophesied about the Messiah's behavior, and Jesus then lived up to that, as we've been seeing. Acts chapter 8, in verse 32, the Bible says, Like a sheep, He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So He opens not His mouth. And then finally, this evening, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53. You see, what makes this self-control that Jesus had all the more remarkable is that He had the power. He had the power to end it all. Matthew 26 and verse 53. Or do you not think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels. And notice verse 54. How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? You see, Jesus set us an example that it's about the Father. It's about the Father's will. And when I think about this idea of self-control, I realize that humanly sometimes it's very difficult. Humanly sometimes it's almost impossible. But when we submit to God, when we turn to God, when we commit to God and submit to God, it is possible. No matter what man may do, 
no matter what harm may come to our bodies, it is possible. One gentleman said, a lack of self-control brings serious consequences. Americans are paying enormous penalties for failing to control themselves. American homes are falling apart. American children feel unloved and unwanted. Great numbers of public schools are in shambles. Civility in America is fading before our eyes. Our streets are unsafe and our prisons are overfilled. No wonder people call Westerners the great Satan, someone has said. Turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to notice verses 1 through 5. It's also here on the screen. Notice in the words of Paul about what will happen in the last days. And we're living in the last days. People will be lovers of self. You ever seen any of that? People will be lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And Paul says, avoid such people. In a world that has a lack of self-control. You know it. You know, we don't have to look on the news to see it. We see it all around us. And in a world with a lack of self-control. Just like we talked about this morning in the world needing love, and us being the instruments of that love, also the world needs to see self-control. But not just pulling up our bootstraps and being big boys and big girls. But a people who will declare through their lives, through their examples, we surrender to God. You know, and I'd like to submit to us that maybe we slip up. Maybe we slip up in a moment of uncontrollability and we say things that we ought not to. What better way than to show people in our church families, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our communities. I made a mistake. And I'm sorry. And I want to ask your forgiveness. Because you see, here's what I want my prayer to be. And here's what I want my life to be. Nevertheless, not my will, Lord. But Your will be done. It's always our prayer that if you're here tonight and you've not submitted your life to God through Jesus Christ, through faithful obedience, through humbling yourself and being buried with Him in baptism, 
to rise in newness of life and go on your way rejoicing. Go on your way in a new life of self-control under the will of God. It's our prayer that you will do that tonight. Maybe it is you're here tonight. And Satan has allowed so many things to be put in your life that you've lost control sometimes. What better time than the present to say, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, God, I need Your forgiveness. I need Your strength. I need my will or Your will to be my will. And surrender again to Him. Whatever your need is tonight, we ask that You will come and let us assist You anyway as together we stand and sing.